Support for the following podcast comes from the Caregiver Toolbox, an online self-guided course that trains your volunteer teams to care for people well. Your team will learn skills to support those in your church and community without burning out. To check out the course, go to thecaregivertoolbox.org. From Hope Main Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking all about the role of the church in caring for people. We are just less than two weeks out from the Church Mental Health Summit, and the feedback that I've been receiving has been incredible. And I've been sorting through the hundreds of emails, trying to track themes and requests for resources as I prepare for next month's live call. Now, if you want to join the Care Community Gathering, which is a live but virtual call where we're going to connect and gather together and collaborate and learn from one another, go to hopemadestrong.org slash community. But one of the first themes that I noticed that there has been an increase in leaders recognizing that their church is being looked to as a place for support and help and then wanting to know more about resources and tools to do that. Now, that would be from like mental health or addiction. Perhaps people are struggling with housing or relationship conflicts, but people are just in general turning to the church for help a lot more lately. And this might be a no brainer for some, like you're like, of course they are. But for others, this is a real shift in how they have engaged with their community in the past, with community and professional resources being completely maxed out beyond their capacity. People are being forced to lean on their informal supports, meaning their friends and family. So it's natural for people to turn to those who they trust for support. And for a number of people, that is their church and place of worship. Clergy, ministry leaders, and even small group facilitators are finding themselves supporting people through really difficult situations. Unsure of how to manage this newfound situation, I'm finding that people are asking, so what is the role of the church? Like, what are we supposed to do with this? And and what is our function? And what are our limitations? How can we better support people while honoring the limitations of their experience? Now, back in episode four, I talk about this and how the church fits into the broader scope of care. So often when people are struggling, we encourage them to seek out professional help. And while that sound is really good advice and it's fantastic support, professional, I'd highly recommend seeking out professional clinical support. What the question is, though, is what happens when there is no professional help available? What if there's no resources in your area or all wait lists are full? What if there are just financial barriers that limit any option for accessing professional support. So really, I think the church needs to have a better option than just, or not maybe better option, but additional options than just referring people away. Of course, in an ideal world, the individual struggling will be able to access care at all five levels. And in the show notes, I give a diagram of the model of care. But for those who are multitasking or not able to take a peek at those uh, those show notes, I want to describe what this model of care is. It's actually an inverted triangle with the widest part at the top and the point pointing down. (laughs) The top level of the triangle is the widest part, and it represents everyone. And in this top section, we have self-care. 
Everyone has the opportunity to engage in caring for themselves. And we do this when we exercise or eat well, we have hobbies, we rest, read, relax, take a bath, go for a walk. All these are all things that we do to care for our own well-being. And then the next level down is community care. This is the support we receive from being part of a community or a club or a network of people who are safe and we feel like we belong to. The third level of care is where the triangle starts to narrow a little bit more, meaning that fewer people access this type of care. And this is the area that we call peer support. This is care received by others who have been through similar situations. This is the coffee shop, coffee shop chats, the, the walks, the lunch meet and meetings with friends, or maybe their mentors who they can get support from. That is what peer support is. Now that fourth level... Uh, moving down is experts. These are non-clinicians who have an expertise in a certain specific area, things like nutrition or employment coaching or even pastoral support. These are people who are trained and skilled in a specific area and support from these experts are is often focused on a specific goal and are very time limited. Then that final section, the most narrow point of the triangle is professional or clinical care. And this is the most narrow point because number one, it has the fewest number of people accessing this care, but also that there are few fewer professionals offering this level of care. And this model, five steps within the inverted triangle, demonstrates that most people access care for more in more ways than just professional support. So when your church's only response to people who are struggling is to tell them to go seek professional support, you are skipping or missing out on four other levels of care that can be offered by the church. And that, that you know, leads to the question of what is the role of the church? Now, traditionally, when we think of care ministry in the church, we really think of three different things. We think of number one, pastoral care, uh, two, prayer teams, and three, casseroles. And while these are fantastic methods of care, and prayer is an absolutely powerful weapon that I believe in, limiting care to these three options would be a huge missed opportunity. I shared a session at the summit this year called Building Cultures of Care, Not Programs of Care. And I want to challenge you to consider this idea of culture of care. As I described, those five levels of care, self-care, community, peer, expert, and professional, I'm sure that you could easily identify different ways your church offers care in each of these categories. For example, your church can promote good self-care from the pulpit as you teach about things like Sabbath and forgiveness, that your body is a temple, and who you are in Christ. Then listeners are able to utilize these teachings in their personal lives. The second level is community, where you as a church create safe places where people can belong to and, and be, build you know, safe, long-lasting relationships. The third area is peer support, and this is where we see small groups or prayer teams, mentors, or even discipleship opportunities. The fourth area is experts, pastors, and leaders that are available to support within their area of expertise. And then that fifth level is professional. As a church, you're able to refer to professional supports decrease and decrease stigma around accessing uh, clinical treatment. So care isn't just casseroles. Although they are delicious, the church can offer care at every level. 
It's like God knew what he was doing when he made the church or identified that it is the local church that is going to reach people. In Luke 10 is the story of the Good Samaritan. And just to jog people's memory, this is the parable that comes right after when Jesus answered a law expert's question that in order to inherit inherit eternal life, he needs to love God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love his neighbor as himself. Then Jesus uses this story of the Samaritan to describe who the neighbor would be. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story. Many of us learned it in Sunday school, but it describes a man who got robbed, beaten up, and left for dead while traveling. And while he laid at the side of the road, two important and distinguished men, very respected, highly honored, walked by him without offering any help. Then a third man who happened to be a Samaritan, that, that's a people group that traditionally were viewed quite poorly by the elite. This man, he stopped and brought the man to an innkeeper and paid for his care. After sharing the story, Jesus then asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who was robbed? And obviously the answer is the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus instructed us to do likewise. Now, this is a common story in children's ministry. Like I said, we probably have heard this a number of times because there are so many amazing lessons to be learned here. And from my childlike perspective, and I'm going to be honest, this moved into my adulthood. I assumed that I was the central figure of this story, that I needed to save and rescue those less fortunate. I'm going to look beyond stigma and reach down and pick up those left beaten by our society. But then I heard this story shared in a new way, and it completely rocked my world. Rather than me being the central figure of the story, the star of the show and the one to rescue and save others, instead of this self-absorbed approach to the story, let's rethink this and put Jesus at the center. Jesus as the one who rescues. Jesus as the one who crossed cultural barriers and social barriers and paid the cost of our healing. He is who we're striving to be. So if Jesus is the Samaritan and we are to do likewise, who is the church? Who are we in the story? We are actually the innkeepers. Jesus saves, rescues us from death and despair, pulls us up out of a place of shame, And he has created the church to care for those who are hurting and healing. The story of the Good Samaritan is such a beautiful picture of the role of the church in supporting people. It is Jesus who saves, and he has asked us, the church, to care for people while he is gone. In Luke 10, 34 to 35, it says, He, Jesus, went to him, the Samaritan, bound up his wounds, and poured oil and wine. Then Jesus put him on his own animal and brought him to the innkeeper and took care of him and asked him to take care of him. Then the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. My perspective of this parable has shifted. I'm no longer the center of the story. I'm no longer the Samaritan, but I am the innkeeper. Jesus saves, binds wounds, and he restores identity, and he removes shame. And we are the church, the innkeeper. We, the church, are the innkeeper. We are commissioned to take care of the wounded and aid in their healing. The church can't be all things to all people as much as we want to be, but the church does have a role to play in supporting people. Care is more than just casseroles. 
care as being a safe place, a, a community for people to discover their value and purpose and to receive hope. And then the church has a responsibility to care and tend for people as they heal. So this is the role of the church in supporting others. I really appreciate you taking a listen to the podcast this week. And I encourage you to put what you've heard into action. How are you going to be intentional about building a culture of care, both for yourself to care and tend to your own needs, as well as for the church and those who you serve? If you've enjoyed today's podcast, uh, would you do me a favor? Would you recommend this to a friend? I've heard that there's so many people feeling isolated in this role in ministry, exhausted from constantly serving others. And my goal is to offer hope and resources and support. Thanks for connecting and talk soon.